If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. There if we go. You're if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it and you really want to show it, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. That was wonderful. That was way more PG than the song you sang last time. That's very true. Yeah, something about balls or something Hanging like that. Low? I can't remember. High, low, or whatever. Medium, slow, high. So what? There's a parental advisory on the show anyway, and who cares? Come on down, you cancel culture motherfuckers. <laughs> All right, we have two former guests. It's been a while since I've seen you guys, like a long, long... Well, no, I've spoken to you guys, but I haven't seen you guys on the show. It's got to be like two years, no? It is two years. Wow. And and quite the dramatic events when it comes to the real estate and mortgage world in the last two years. <laughs> it's insanity. In, that's all we're going to say? That's the extent of it? I mean, I don't know how else you would describe it. I think that's the best word. Insanity. Yeah. Two years of insanity. Yeah. Is it because of pandemic driven or is it just because we were headed this way to begin with? Oh, that's a good, good way of looking at it. I think the pandemic definitely put some gasoline on the fire that was kind of already brewing. To me, it's no secret that we just have a shortage of housing. That's a really big problem. But we and can't then... build it fast enough. Like, are we not building so far out of the core? We're constantly building new structures, new subdivisions, new towers. Are we not? We are, but it's not enough. Uh, there, I've I heard some analysts from uh, CIBC saying that even if we stopped letting in immigrants for the next ten, ten years and built all we did was build homes for the next ten years, it still won't be enough. So it's all supply and demand driven. That's it's in, crazy. That's insane. Before we get ahead of ourselves, I got to introduce you guys, man. Holy cow! I just like totally forgot. Like, Thank you so much. Normally, I have my monkey here on the side telling me how to do things. Right? <laughs> Carlito's not here; he's busy. So uh, I got Anthony Caputo back, uh, the Caputo Group. Uh, website is www.thecaputogroup.ca. Anthony at thecaputogroup.ca, and on Instagram, it's thecaputogroup.realestate. C A P U T O for you non-Italians out there, non-Europeans <laughs> who have any idea how to spell. Those European words, right? Those names, those surnames. And Michelle, okay, so you're always going to tell me your last name because I'm not going to bother butchering because I'm really good at butchering it. Michelle? Ferruja. Ferruja. Cognitive? Capital. Capital. Cognitive Capital. Uh, website is www.cognitivecapital.ca. Michelle at cognitivecapital.ca. And on Instagram, not on Facebook or Twitter, no, on Instagram, cognitive.capital. That's it. So to spell cognitive for all you Europeans out there, C-O-G-N-I-T-I-V-E. Oh <laughs> all right. So as we started the conversation here, we actually started talking about what's going on in real estate. Before I get ahead of that, before I get ahead of that, I just got to do a little bit of a shout out. I want to let everybody know that who's listening and follows me on social media, Dimitri from Pure underscore Motivation underscore Fitness has agreed to do five shows back to back with me this Sunday. We're going to record shows all about different decades of different tradespeople, health, nutrition, feel, uh, meal plans, all kinds of stuff, exercises, stretching, all kinds of stuff. We're going to have a, a marathon of five different shows, and he's just going to dive deep. It's going to be like the Fast and the Furious Fitness. So we're recording those, and they'll be shared every Friday under a hashtag of hashtag Fitness Fridays with Dimitri. Beautiful. Wow. So I'm excited about that, and Dimitri and I, we got a lot of good ideas on that. Looking forward to recording that. I want to share 
we have this little new segment on the, the show called Building Books, books wow. that I've, I've read and I share. So on today's show, I obviously want to share Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'm sure you guys have read. Mm-hmm. A lot of people read. This is the updated version. I actually like the updated version because he brought up a lot of what's going on today. Obviously, this book was written 20 years ago, I think. A little, little, little bit, like I think it was 99, 98, 99, or something like that, and uh, and self-published at the time wow. when I started reading into it and I started discovering more about it. Nobody wanted to write this book. Nobody wanted to publish it. That's and crazy. yet, I, how much how much can we learn from this? So everybody, please get a copy of it. Robert T. Kirisaki, right? Kirisaki, I think it is. Okay, so on with the show. Let's get going. You guys got to share a lot of information. I know before the mics were rolling, you were talking about how Toronto just surpassed. Vancouver in real estate cost. Yep. It is. It's unbelievable. Um, The fact that it was even possible to pass Vancouver is unreal. So Vancouver held that for how long? Uh, It's been over 10 years now. And so Toronto finally passed it. Mm -hmm. So to buy an average house in Toronto. You're looking at average sale price for Toronto is a million seventy three thousand. Almost 1.1, which it seems cheap because Vaughn right now, average price. Now, this is January 2021 to January 2022. Vaughn is at a million, just over a million five average price. Caledon, a million eight. Now, you're not going to find Vaughn or Caledon doesn't have nearly as many condos. So that skews it a little bit. But it's... How, you said it yourself, how are people going to afford a house? So, I mean, okay, over to you, Michelle. How do people afford that? So you're 20-something, you're 30-something, and you've got a million-dollar mortgage that you got to find. you got to put how much we talked about last time, 5%, right? 5% on the first 500000 10% on anything over 500000 to 999999 And then as soon as you hit a million, it becomes 20% of the purchase price minimum. So you're putting 20%. So basically, yeah. So they on a million dollar purchase, they have to come up with 200k. Yeah. To buy that house. Yeah. So I think I mean, obviously I'm kind of a part of that generation. I just turned 27 not too long ago. So I feel like I understand it from two sides, being the mortgage professional who's kind of dealing with this and hearing clients complain about it all the time, understandably, but also as a young person coming up and establishing myself in this housing market. And I think that what we picture as starter homes are not starter homes anymore. And that's like the biggest thing that I think clients have a lot of difficulty wrapping their heads around. Because I know for me, my parents purchased a home. It was a detached house in Brampton. I lived in the same house for like 20 years. And that was their first home together. And that's how I identify a home. Like it's very difficult for a lot of people to kind of have to wrap their heads around going backwards in purchasing their first house versus what they grew up in and what they've lived in their whole life. But that was at a time of what? $200,000 for the house at a bank interest rate of what? 10 to 13%? Yeah, it was probably around that. So we're at a million dollars at a bank rate of what is it now? Two? 1.3 to 3% depending on which product you're choosing. Okay, so I keep on. I know that two years ago when you guys were on the show, you guys were adamant about saying over and over, buy now, buy now, buy now. And look what's happened. Looks like you guys we were, were right. right, though. You guys were, right? 100%, yeah. you guys were 100% right. And now two years later, here we are, and it's, it's gotten worse regarding buying in. 
it's not going to get any better. It's only going up. Mm-hmm. There's no signs of it going down. It's it never done that. No. Like, I you mean, can it, look all the way back. Like, it's literally never done that. It drops down a little bit and then shoots up higher than it used to be. It drops down. So what about bit. the recession's time? So we weren't attacked at the 2009 housing market from the U.S. Our prime minister at the time protected us so then we couldn't get into that same situation. Mm-hmm. But even before that, so we were at the 99, which would have been the, the 2K recession. And even before that, we were at the 91 recession. So during those recessions, it just dropped a tiny bit and then came back up and bounced back again. Always bounces back. Yeah. So right now we're at a high. We're just going to, if we drop, we're going to drop a tiny bit, but then we're going to bounce back up again. 100%. I call it like a cooling off period. Mm-hmm. And typically a market will have a correction every handful of years or whatever it is. If you're holding a house for at least three to five years, you should always be able to write out that correction. To me, if I was somebody who's maybe flipping houses or, you know, buying something and renovating it really extensively, maybe you're going to hate me for saying this, but I would be watching my dollars probably a little bit more closely in a market where things are looking so scary in terms of prices rising. But I think speaking to you and speaking to Anthony, flipping is not an option here. You have to be really, really cautious of it if you're going to try to flip it. It's got to be quick. It's got to be extremely fast. You literally got to go in real quick, You're get in it in, done in months. In a, literally, if within two months, yeah. you could lose everything. Mm-hmm. If the, especially if the government interferes, uh, yeah, it's you. Your profits are could be gone. Just so when, like that. when you say government interferes, you're talking about that bullshit that they're talking about bringing in on the taxation of your principal residence. That's so ridiculous. Don't even get me started on that. Where but, is? Do you guys know where that is, or is that happen? I thought it was like on the table right now. It's, it's just. It's been on the table for a while. Um, it's to me, if that does happen, it's uh, it's political suicide, yeah. in my opinion, because you have generations of Canadians who have the retirement inside that home. house. Yeah, so they want to sell, downsize. That's right. Here's the equity. I read something that I think is interesting and a better idea. I don't remember where I read this about a week ago, but it was talking about just being a little bit looser with building permits. So building is a problem. We're not building fast enough, but it's like when somebody goes and they purchase a a property or they want to knock it down or they want to make changes that are significant enough, they're getting held up at the permit stage for like a very long time. So one of the suggestions was how can we make permits maybe a little bit easier to obtain, even if it's like, okay, in this region, there's a blanket permit that allows you to do these 20 things. If you want to go outside of that, you need to apply for a specialty permit, but that alone I think would be super valuable. If they could even open it up and just blanket it a little bit more over some general concepts, that would allow people to build. You would think that the government would have learned their lesson to create that blanket over the last two years, where in the first six months of the first year of the pandemic, we were doing inspections with fo- uh, like photographs, video, submitting that because mm-hmm. nobody was coming to the job site, but jobs still had to go. If you had a permit already in process you were working, they couldn't come to you, but you could submit imagery or video for them to sign off. But they never went forward with that. That would have been a great opportunity to all of a sudden start digitizing things. They need the red. The amount of red tape that the government has put into place is only causing chaos. It's if if we could eliminate that red tape, let the builders do what they need to do. 
it'll it will happen a lot faster i i'm from the caledon area and caledon is known for the mo probably the most around amount of red tape in the gta for permits for permits i've never built in caledon so i don't know oh it's it's bad it's orangeville is the same bad. way yeah really yeah mm -hmm. we're actually we're actually number two in the gta mississauga is number one most difficult most difficult yes I've never really had issues, issues with Mississauga, but I guess it's never really been a time crunch right now, like the way it is. I, I guess you guys are looking at it more as an investment kind of thing, where it's like you buy the property, you want to get the permit quick, you want to do the work quick, get the hell out, sell it. Yeah, well, even from clients of mine that say want to do an in-law suite in their, in their basement, they want to do a renovation, uh, it's, it takes forever. It really does take forever. And the amount of the rules and everything's changing, you get one inspector that has one idea of what it sh the project should be uh then and you have someone completely different coming yeah. in it's to me it's they're not organized it's at all let's go back to the money let's try to figure out like like how is this even possible if it keeps on growing so if we're talking uh -oh. two years from now is it is it unheard of to think the average house in toronto is going to be 1.3 Two well, years from now? It's very possible. Very, very possible. I actually don't think the money is an issue. Like, it's an issue when you break it down to an individual level. But the reason that this continues to happen is because there is wealth out there. And it is being passed down from generation to generation. And I really think what we're seeing right now is a division of classes, which I actually think is the larger problem. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people graduating university and coming out and doing kind of everything that they were supposed to do. Even if they knock out their student debt, they have a decent paying job, 60, 80,000 coming out of school, whatever it is. And they cannot find success by themselves in the housing market. And they've done everything by the book. If they don't have somebody around them who can co-sign their house add more income to that application, gift them a few hundred thousand dollars, they're just going to fall behind. And it's, it's definitely unfortunate to see. And a big conversation I have with a lot of my clients is you guys need to get creative. I'm definitely acknowledging that this is not easy. And I'm also acknowledging that it's not fair. But you can sit here and say that it's not easy and it's not fair. Or you can start networking and finding other like-minded people. And you guys need to like group together and buy properties together. Because marriages go really well all the time. That's the, but that's my point, is <laughs> you shouldn't have to have a partner in a romantic relationship to be able to buy a property. No, but it's not even that. So even if you get certain trades that want to partner with another trade, maybe something happens down the line and they have their differences. But now you're connected to this house because you needed it to be together to get the financial resources to make it happen well it's it's simple i mean if it doesn't work out you sell you split the profits and by then you'll probably have enough to put down on your own house just do it that way then yeah and like you would need to have some contracts to this obviously going in it like what are like what if one person wants to sell and the other person doesn't want doesn't. to sell mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so there should be like maybe a review period every two years or a certain period of time in terms of a heads up that you would have to give someone like i'm not saying it's easy are you seeing people do it? I'm definitely seeing people pair up with friends now. What kinds now. of professionals, like just everyday professionals in their 20s and 30s are doing this? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Really, yeah. I'm seeing more and more people come with friends, with cousins. I get so many calls from people who will be like in a relationship. They're maybe not married, but they have a kid, like they're a family. And they don't want to buy a house with their significant other. Because 
people split up like people have problems financially in their relationships emotionally in their relationships they don't want to be attached based on an asset and i'm seeing people come with their friends to do the purchase to do the purchase yeah siblings mm -hmm. i'm also seeing a lot of people get like three hundred thousand dollar gifted down payments from their parents big time both parents that have been twice divorced yeah <laughs> <I love> exactly <laughs> You'd be amazed. Yeah, so all of a sudden the baby boomer, uh, boomer, all their retirement funds are all, here you go, son and daughter, whatever, and here's the money for your deposit. My question to you is that, are you seeing these same people partner with friends or, or coworkers or partners and then having their eyes grow bigger and looking at purchasing more equity yeah. of a house? They're doing that automatically. Yeah, and again, I think this kind of boils down to classes are being divided. Like the middle class is disappearing. You. I agree with you. So now to me, it comes down to attitude. A lot of people are like, I live here. This is where I want to live, and I'm not leaving. And if I can't get what I want, boo-hoo, woe is me. And again, I'm like, I know that it's not an easy thing to do, but I have a ton of friends who don't fall in that group where their parents can give them a few hundred thousand dollars or they're in a financial position to co-sign their parents don't even own a home and they go out to windsor sudbury do whatever they get themselves a rental property that cash flows a multi-unit like there's people getting very clever about this so again it's not easy but it is possible i think home ownership is just kind of moving in a direction where you need to be a little bit more entrepreneurial now to achieve it does it really make any sense to stay in the core because i know that at the beginning of the pandemic even the year before a lot of professionals i know in the industry they sold they sold in their toronto or their suburb home and went to brantford went even further and they ended up paying off their entire mortgage having six-figure equity outside of that and had a home but they're a good hour and a half to two hour drive away from the core I, from what I've experienced so far, everyone that's done that, they were able to do it because they can work from home. Yeah. They're not even going back into the core. Production, believe it or not, at uh, some, some companies, for example, I'll use RBC, they're actually, their employees are actually working more hours from home than they would be on uh, working at one of their, uh, their towers, believe it or not. So they're getting more production from people staying at home and are... I'm using RBC because I know someone who's doing yeah. it right now. The RBC's loving it. They gave them an extra dollar raise, and I mean, but that's their great. Their overhead cost goes down probably, right? Well, they're still leasing these buildings, mm -hmm. but I'm sure they're. Yeah, but all these brick on... and mortar businesses are all being phased out. Like I, I think in our lifetime, we're not going to see a bank branch anymore. Are we about to get into virtual reality in the metaverse? We well, could talk about the metaverse, <laughs> but I'm just saying. When was the last time you saw a payphone? Like, they're, yeah. yeah, they're gone. They're I'm gone, like, right? Yeah. So they've been gone for a while now. And, and I think that bank branches are going to be gone. I mean, there's there's a bunch of things that are going to be gone. What you guys are talking about working from home is great. But everybody that is self-employed mm -hmm. and they have to go to their demographic, their market, they still have to get a house that's relatively close. And if you're young, sure, you can do a two-hour drive. But that's a four-hour commute every day. Eventually, it's going to take a toll. It does. So it's like it's not really catered to everybody to do that. So they're kind of stuck with having to buy in that core area, which means that they're in the 1.7, whatever, 1.07 market. And then two years from now, it's going to be 1.3, 1.4. Is it worth it? If they're already in that market, then, yeah, it's it's worth it for them to, to stick it out if they're in that market. I mean, if they can't afford it, I mean, they're not going to have any choice but to venture further out. Luckily, the government is uh, is adding a lot more public transit 
mm-hmm. especially from York region. There's a ton of uh, subways going downtown now, so that'll help out a lot. You, it, unless you're in the market, you have to, especially downtown Toronto, if you're in the market, great, you can travel pretty much wherever you want. If you're not in that market, to go south is very difficult. I'm trying to figure out how do I phrase this. Like, how do we... Um, multi-generational. That's the next latest thing. Because I saw an article about in Winnipeg, I think. It was, no, no, Manitoba. Where they were talking about they had a group of people got together and they bought the single property. So, and they basically commune together in the same house. So they share the main common areas. And then they have their own room and I guess their own bathroom. Is that the future? It's already happening. Yeah. It's already happening. But is it is it financially driven? Is that the reason why? I can only assume, like when you hear about Elon Musk talking about how in the future there's going to be mass unemployment with so much AI taking over so much segments of the of the of the workforce. So you're going to have people that can't work at that point. So now you're going to deal with governments that have to deal with helping. So as you get older, we already know that if you're older, 60, 70, the, the Canadian pension is not enough to survive. No. So everybody really needs to be focusing on nest eggs as they keep on going. I've always said on the show and anybody I speak to, as a man, you're going to live to your 80s. Right now, if you're in your 20s and 30s, you're living to the 80s, no problem. Like, not, God forbidding anything like dramatic mm-hmm. happens, right? Some sort of disease or something like that. That's different. But if you're just relatively healthy, you're into your 80s. The women are late 80s, early 90s. We're supposed to technically retire at 65. But now mm-hmm. you got to carry sustainable financial you know, viability for 30 years now. People, when, you know, our parents at that, they weren't thinking that. They were buying homes at 200 grand at 13% interest rate, but they were passing away in their 60s and 70s. If they were really lucky, they were passing away much older. But they had the money to survive that long. Mm -hmm. Now the people today, they don't have the money to survive that long. So what's going to happen to that generation? Well, the the main problem with that generation is they don't live within their means. Mm -hmm. If they don't know how to save, they don't know how to invest... For, for me to hear that York University has to ha- have a course to teach people how to write a check, no. basic banking. Are you kidding I'm me? I'm not joking. They have one. It, it's it's bad. I mean, for me, I, I learned uh, all of that in grade four. Yeah. They made me do projects on how to open a business, how to write a check, banking, all, all of that. Now it's a university course. That's That's way too late. So we have a whole segment, a whole generation that doesn't know how to save, doesn't know how to do any of that and they have to depend on their on their parents and their parents have worked hard they want to enjoy their life as well so we're there's going to be a, a huge gap where i mean uh, this will be probably be the first generation that doesn't leave an inheritance to they, their kids. they won't there won't be any dollars it's, it'll be first time in history but you're dealing with the joneses you're dealing with the social media joneses everybody because i was just thinking why don't we focus on buying properties that are literally money pits pieces of shit that you can just paint fumigate get rid of rats get rid of whatever update a tiny bit of it don't put the glamorous house and pinterest crap inside of it yeah and hang on to that property because that property is only going to gain value with it and when you're financially at a point then renovate it yeah that's a smarter move Mm -hmm. yeah definitely but in general I don't even want to tag this to a specific generation because I think social media's reach is so far at this point that there's people from all generations all over it. They see something shiny and they want it now. 
And if they want something from China, they can have it in two days. Like globalization has just changed things a lot. And actually, the last time that we were here, you very specifically said, we're not building any more land. So even that let's buy the dump and like flip it and whatever, just make it nice enough to live in. The problem is, is that the dump is like $2 million on the same street next to the brand new built house that's 2.5 and the cost of building is so high that you buying that dump for 2 million to try to get it equal to the rest of the houses on the street like it doesn't even make sense you're going back to the joneses yeah Uh or people that had the money to do it they did it and then they started adding more value to that street which made your dump more expensive Mm -hmm. do you guys know of any other countries outside of canada because i'm pretty sure our government doesn't have any incentives whatsoever to motivate people to buy like and to put more investment into it. Well, I know Italy's giving away properties for free. Yeah, I know in certain regions, and I've even looked at that, and I was like, as long as you do the rental, what is it within five years or something like that, yeah. then you you bring some money back into the community because everybody's leaving there. That's right. So that's what they just wanted to bring people back. Wow. I was speaking to somebody today who said that there's different municipalities around Ontario that are incentivizing people to do basement renos and make basement suites and like we'll pay for the reno because we are short on housing and we need you to build units the city of toronto just passed the bylaw that people with large lots can build garden suites in their backyards you, you mean laneway houses La- yeah no no actual garden homes in their backyard a regular backyard not with a, a laneway anything like that an actual yeah, separate so the, home. the actual separate dwelling in the back. Yeah, mm-hmm. they approved that like about three years ago, and and that's getting more and more. I'm also seeing it happen in um, uh, Burlington is allowing it. I think Oakville is going to start doing it. It's just basically taking a certain chunk of your backyard and turning it into a, a two story dwelling. Mm-hmm. That it's another rental property basically. So you could, but the problem with that is that there's actually a <sighs> premium attached to that. What what were we going to say? See, this is where things get tricky. Is like from the mortgage standpoint. Like on the real estate side, that would add value, Mm -hmm. right? When you're selling that property or you're bringing a buyer, you're like, because this is here, this adds more value. And then you come to the mortgage and the appraisal side of things. And the mortgage lender is like, we're only accepting an appraisal that values one structure. They won't factor in the back structure, another structure. Yeah. So that's where things get tricky as well, because now again, you're separating the classes here. Who can afford to come with enough cash in their pocket knowing that this house is going to appraise for less than what it's worth because the appraiser and the lender are not working together to recognize that other structure on the property. You know, Anthony, you know that property that we went to go take a look at there? Mm -hmm. As soon as I went to the backyard, I saw the garage. The first thing I thought of was laneway. I said, this is perfect. Knock that down and build a two-story structure here and basically rent it out for $3,000, $3,500 a month. But that structure would cost half a million dollars. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. So you're right. So now you got to... So would you do two assessments now? No. You have to do one. Mm-hmm. It's just... Like I had a client. Um, they purchased a 16-acre property in Ajala, mm-hmm. which is near Hockley area. Ajala, where... it's, it's in Simcoe. Okay. It's like 20 minutes from Orangeville. It's just north of Caledon. Okay. It's okay. in between. So beautiful property, beautiful farmhouse. There's two other houses on this property. And the major banks, lenders, they would only look at the value of the main home and 10 surrounding acres. There's two full-blown other houses on this property. And when buyers and sellers are going and purchasing this home, 
that is what is taken into consideration. But when you go to get the mortgage for it, that's not taken into consideration. So those are invisible houses. They're to the invisible. Bank. It's like they don't exist. So now you need a buyer who can, you know, have the down payment for 80%, sorry, 20% of the appraised value. And then they have to pay the difference of whatever they bought it off the seller for out of pocket. That's crazy. Does it make more sense to actually get into new construction? 100%. Over trying to find something? Anyone right now, for the past two years, I was advocating for flips because the value was there. I've switched it completely to pre-construction. What's, what's the turnaround on pre-construction from the time they actually get? I'd say three to five years. That long? Mm -hmm. Okay. But in that three to five years, they're building equity. They've put money down uh, over the, over 365 days. Or Same rules as condos? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're only putting X amount at the beginning, and then you have a payment structure plan for over a period of time until you actually get the, the house, right. and then it gets converted into a mortgage. Mm -hmm. So that's we'll go back to um, you know friends getting together to pool money. I have a few clients that have actually done that. Uh, they buy two, three at a time. As soon as a, a few, maybe about a year before they're ready to take possession, they'll assign them to someone else, pull the money out, and then they'll do it again. That way they never have to qualify for that mortgage. Yeah. That's right. Because even if they close, you have to wait until the entire subdivision or a percentage of the subdivision is complete before they actually can transfer it over to a mortgage. So that could still Correct. be another six mm -hmm. to nine months or whatever, sometimes even a year. Yeah. Clients get stuck in occupancy, paying rent to builders all the time. More so in condos, it's, I think. I think it's mostly, it is condos. Yeah. So that makes more financial sense. Mm -hmm. Because now it's like a little bit at every so often until three, four years down the line comes along. Yeah. Then you have to make that big decision. I think you definitely have to pull. Like if we're talking about first time homebuyers, though, the younger generation, I don't always think new construction is the most attainable thing because it's like they already are struggling to pull together a 5% down payment. And now they're expected to put 20% over one to two years. They're going to do what everyone else or the majority of first-time home buyers does is get go to the bank of mom and dad, get their uh, 20%. <laughs> it's privilege, though. I'm just saying, like, there's I work with so many different groups of people, and, like, it's not equal. Not everybody has the bank of mom and dad. So it's like, what are those people well, doing? Those are the smart mom and dads or the smart mom and moms and the smart dad and dads that they're thinking i might need this money later on or they don't have it <laughs> or they don't have you it. know yeah. i think we're also kind of seeing an interesting group of people emerge which is the young entrepreneur who's actually going to pay off their parents house or buy their parents their first house you're done about the crypto boys you'd be amazed what people mm. are doing no i'm i'm telling you like I'm, it's neither here nor there for me, but there's an interesting group of entrepreneurs emerging in the digital era. Like, it's crazy what okay. they're doing. But in all fairness, okay, okay, I'm sorry. So my, I'll, I'll share this. My nephew is 20 years old. He went and studied uh, filmmaking at Sheridan, and he just, he has a podcast. He talks just about film and movies and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, he shared a post on, on his page saying that he got into crypto had a digital wallet, put down 2100 Within two hours, it turned into $25,430, and he bought out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, great, proud of him, wonderful. I hope he learned his lesson not thinking that he's going to wake up tomorrow and make another $25,000. Yeah, like, listen, I think that people are definitely on social media treating different digital spaces like it's just a regular full-time job like being a teacher, and I don't think that's okay. 
because to me, I'm like, this is the modern day stock market. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. It's obviously a little bit different, but I definitely don't agree with the narrative that people should treat this like it's just a regular everyday job that anybody can just get into. Like, it's a very entrepreneurial thing. There's people watching markets. Like, there's a lot of research that you need to be doing. It was really interesting because the other day, last week, I had my electrician on site. And all day long, in the corner of my eye, I'm paying attention to him. He's on his phone the whole time. And I know that he's, he's like, a little bit younger than me. He's not so tech savvy with social media. He doesn't give a shit about following. He doesn't have notifications. Mm-hmm. But in just the corner of my eye, I kept on looking at him going, why the hell is he always on the phone, right? Either it's personal family or whatever. He's maybe something going on or whatever. I don't ask. I don't give a shit. But finally, he came up to me and he showed me his crypto account. And I go, now you realize that's your full-time job now, right? You're not focusing on electrician duties here. Mm-hmm. I go, it's all, it's all good and dandy and you're up $2,000. But also, like social media... Nobody ever shares the negative. The negative, yeah. So I made 25000 but I also lost 25000 Nobody's ever going to share that part of it. And also, what's the percentage? When I was in film school, I was in a classroom of 20 people. And everybody in there thought they were going to be the next Steven Spielberg. And technically speaking, just for the creative site on what I do and what I've done for social media, I'm the only one in that class that is still somehow connected to something creative. So I totally none agree. None of them are Steven Spielberg. That's I totally what I mean. agree. Just like statistically, that's why I think people need to get their head out of their ass on social media. Like yes. I'm not anything is possible in the sky is the limit. But don't fall into this culture of like everything you see online is about to hit. Like your nephew, he made twenty five grand overnight. That's like to think that that's an everyday thing it's that's not, always yeah. going to happen, and you did it on your first try. Like that's kind of beginner's luck i think it is have, have you ever read that book uh, hard times create strong men strong men create- i haven't read it yet but i know the phrase yeah okay that that's describing what's happening right now it's it's no one wants to get into the hard jobs anymore no one wants to uh, to do anything hard it's got to be easy mm-hmm. easy money quick 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 but are we not from a generation well, i'm going to say anthony and i not you because you're a baby <laughs> but i mean are we not from the generation of money earned mm-hmm legitimately and worked hard at is better than money just given to you that's right it's no different than i've been given a bunch of free tools i don't treat those tools as well as the tools that i've purchased for full price Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i have a certain love for the tools that i spent top dollar for and i can almost in the back of my head i can give a shit if that other tool breaks down no i i totally agree with you and that's what I'm saying. There, there's definitely two cultures because it's like the people that you do see doing really well on, you know, new digital avenues or even just I look at myself. I own a business. Everybody loves to be online and, and kind of push this idea of like, oh, you can just do this little tiny thing from your laptop and you can be anywhere in the world. The people that I know making money from their laptop, I make money from my laptop. I work 15 hours a day. I can be anywhere in the world but I'm working my ass off. And when you really have that drive, you wouldn't be sitting on your ass on a beach all day long. I did a show with, with Matthew over at Millennials Choice. I think I may have mentioned it to you mm-hmm. where he says that we're not too far from being approved for a mortgage based on your crypto. Yeah, we're not. They're already That's working scary. on it. And then today I just saw in the news that India just had their very first meta wedding reception. Yeah. No. That's crazy. So, I mean, like, if, if that's the future, 
But I get nervous when I start to read other people's reports, and maybe they're not fans of Zuckerberg, and I'm not. I think he's kind of creepy. He <laughs> recently lost $280 billion. Wow. Like $280 billion he lost because of the meta. So it's just like, what is it exactly? And then you hear, you know, whatever. Uh, Justin Bieber just bought another monkey for $490,000. <laughs> now the some sports figures are buying all the bulls now. So there's an angry bull or some shit like that. So there's all these NFTs. And, you know, you get, there was this uh, lesbian couple in the States who were flat broke, had $10 or something left in their bank account. Then she came up with, an, she was an artist, she came up with this duck thing. So it was Attitudes of Duck. And then she sold 10000 of them to uh, her followers on Facebook. And she ended up getting the money that she needed to take care of the purchase of her house. This all kind of falls back into like hype culture, though. You know what I mean? Because those monkeys, those get you into cool parties. It's like an exclusive list. There's connections to it. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's. But is that going to be the currency for you guys? So now I want to buy a house. I'm going to go sell a monkey and then come back. (laughs) And here's the monkey. I want to buy a house. I, I hope not, because that if that's the case, that's going to be pretty. But scary. Even, aren't the banks? I thought the banks are, or is Morgan Stanley? I read somewhere where I think one of the banks they're actually starting to open up their own crypto. And this is already wa- real. It's like, happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. There's like, there's already kind of like stock portfolios and stuff where they're kind of grouping things together and they're trading different cryptocurrencies on the back end, and you can buy it just in a regular trading account at your bank. So if you don't want to actually go into a crypto wallet and do it, you can buy an ETF at your bank. That is kind of like a group of investments. I'm not describing this correctly at all, but the no, banks have had this for a little while. Learning it. Yeah, that's what I mean. This is probably like a year old almost though at the banks. Picture this though. Cryptocurrency, there's nothing really you can have in your hand. Metaverse, it's a figment of someone's imagination. NFTs, we're going into an age of no communication, yep. not being able to touch anything, not being able to talk to someone anymore. You're just, it, everything's... But it's it's an amplification of social media. So you get a thousand likes from a thousand different strangers. You've never met a single one of these people, but yet you're feeding your dopamine bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then you feel like you're a rock star. That's and exactly like you just it. said, I bought an NFT. Let's say I buy an NFT for $20,000. I get invited to a party where I'm rubbing elbows against fucking Kanye. Yeah. Then I'm the rock star again. And I start sharing that on social media. And then I'm the rock star. But are you guys going to have to do that? Is that I'm going to come to you guys and go, listen, I want to buy a house. And here's my, here's my credit rating. But here's my crypto rating. Yeah. So right now what we're talking about in mortgages is different lenders are discussing essentially leveraging against a crypto wallet like if you put up x amount of bitcoin you can have this house and as opposed to the mortgage being leaned against the property itself it's leaned against the bitcoin that's the collateral yeah i don't know it's crazy it's almost a little bit difficult to wrap your head around but you guys have to educate yourself on it because clients are going to come to you now Mm -hmm. for that purchase and how to pay for that purchase i'm going to be opening up a real estate office in the metaverse yeah <laughs> might as well right they're selling uh buildings in the metaverse yeah right they're selling land in in the metaverse why not be part of that too there's people are already doing this like i know mm-hmm. somebody who opened up a real estate investment trust that's what they're called in the metaverse yeah and it's like they're buying up land which then they're going to be leasing as advertising space 
and it's it's insane like it's so, it's so scary, you really. as an owner you're gonna go to you on on the metaverse and you're gonna talk about i want to purchase some sort of land where i can put my sign or my business or my ad yeah well think about it right we already kind of the concept of this already exists you go on a website you go on instagram and there's ads because everybody knows that you're already hanging out on the website and hanging out on Instagram. So now people are hanging out in virtual reality. Yeah. We're consumers. Everything is like mass consumerism at the end of the day. So how are people going to be marketing their, what they want you to buy, what they want you to engage in? Okay. So right now I would say that's probably like one to 5% of the market right now. We still have to deal with the 95% of the market that's still buying a house traditionally, trying to find financing for a house traditionally. That's still a reality. It yes. is a reality, but I think all this stuff is moving a lot faster than people realize. Like so, people so love to sit on social media and be like, this is crazy. Like you said, they they still have to have their physical bodies here under a roof somehow to live in order to to be in this metaverse and do all, all of this. No, it'd be like Paris. You could just set up outdoor toilets and put a coin in there, sit there, and then log into the metaverse. And now you're in a luxury home in Miami. If you guys really want to get into this, like, I truthfully, like, if we're really getting into conspiracies and all these things, like, I actually think this has to do with the environment, though. Like, we're we're really killing the planet. I don't think there's going to be much for us here. We're going to Mars. We're going to the moon. We're doing all this stuff. There's not maybe going to be a healthy physical space for us to exist in. But if we can exist in these like wherever like you're mentally existing and you put on your goggles every day and you exist in a world mentally and that gives you that dopamine hit that keeps everybody happy and your serotonin levels where they need to be your physical body doesn't need to be anywhere okay so here's the thing am i the only one that's sick and tired of masks nope and they've done studies where you know you walk around with masks now it's affecting children Mm -hmm. it's affecting adults it's affecting everybody now you want to let's say for Argument's sake, it, it kind of reminds you of The Matrix and Johnny Pneumatic and Tron, and you're plugged into a different world, but now your sensory deprivation is gone. Yeah. So you're actually just treat yourself as the earth. You're killing your earth now. Totally. The timing of this is really convenient when you think about it, right? Everybody's been locked in their homes for two years, and now all of a sudden, there's this perfectly amazing space where you can just mentally exist because your four walls in your house are really depressing. Okay. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I could. I Have you put on a VR set before? Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's nuts. Crazy. It's... I I put one on for the first time like three weeks ago, and I was like, I totally see how people are getting hooked on this. Yeah, but people still have to come back. To reality they still have to eat they still have to but you guys technically were doing it for like it's been done for 10 years now vr stuff with real estate you're literally walking into a, a house that you're nowhere near maybe or a, a, an architect's depiction of what it could be so you're already being fed what it's going to look like true so but, i mean it's all been happening but it's you could easily press end and walk away the what they're saying what the direction that they're going with with this metaverse is you being it literally like the matrix you're locked into this and you're living in it all the time that's what they're what they're going for to me that's okay i don't i don't know why we went on to the whole tangent of that but i I was just curious about (laughs) it but i i just feel that i completely agree with both you guys where everybody's eyes are too big and everybody's too concerned about the joneses and if we get a piece of shit 
we can't renovate it to the point where we can invite friends to be social and have dinner with them because we won't be we'll be ashamed but our wallets will be fine yeah so we have to get like where what generation our parents like that, baby boomers weren't like that Mm-mm. gen x's i think started to do that right and millennials definitely did that and now gen z is the new one right yeah if you want to talk about what human nature actually is, though, it is instant gratification. Yeah. Like if you put yourself pre-building safety, whatever, the human brain was like hungry, eat, raining, find shelter, predator, run. Yep. That's how, how it worked. And now we just have access to like way more stuff. And I truly think the key to success is learning how to delay gratification. And most people, they don't have the self-discipline and the self-control to do that. So how do you do that in a real estate market when you get tied into a bidding frenzy and you're like, fuck it, we'll, we'll sure, we'll go $200,000 more. We'll do this. We're do, what is it? We just get into it. Fuck it. We just walk away. Walk, uh, my advice is walk away. Walk away from it. Yeah. But then, the, then you're two years down the line and you get people that we should have bought then and we spent two years and we couldn't find something. We kept on walking away. If there's, first things first, if it's getting out of control, then that's the advice I'm giving no matter what. It's going, you will get them into a house. You will buy a house. There's going to be more inventory that comes out. There's going to be more opportunities. They can't, the people who are overbidding are the people that are emotionally uh, distraught and they've lost bidding war after bidding war and they just say, fuck it, I'm buying this house no matter what. And that's the wrong attitude to have. Because at the end of the day, these prices, it's up to the consumer. This is supply and demand. If, mm-hmm. if someone doesn't want to pay that amount of money or what, they're, or what the seller's demanding, don't pay it. And you watch the prices come down. But people aren't doing that. You, he nailed that for real. Because everybody's always like, it's not sustainable. And I'm like, people are pulling up with wads of cash and making it sustainable. Like, do you understand that? They're finding a way. The people that are coming into the country are not coming in poor. They're not coming in to rent. They're coming in and buying. So that's another thing that they're competing against. Mm-hmm. And Is that an issue, the foreign investments? It's, they're not foreign investors. They're immigrants coming into the... So they're coming here moving, and they're already coming here with a bunch of cash. Money. Yep. Listen... Let's be real, though, like the work ethic from other countries that comes here oh, far, far outweighs, superior than ours. far superior to the Canadian work ethic. I agree. And I read a statistic last week that most immigrants come to the GTA mm-hmm. and they purchase a home within 18 months. Yep. 18 like they're not months. playing around. They like when I look at I have a lot of new to Canada clients. They don't have a car loan. They're driving a shit box to work. And it's like. Here we are, Canadians, you've been here, you've been in a place of opportunity, definitely still challenging, but you've been here, you've had every opportunity to get your shit together, and you decided that the first thing that you should buy is an $80,000 Benz. Like, that, that's what you thought was a good idea. Yeah. And then you want to complain that you can't purchase get the a home. mortgage. Yeah. My advice to, you know what my advice is to anyone who hits 20 years old and is thinking of trying to move out? Don't. Mm-hmm. Stay. Stay home. Build equity. Build. Just go buy something. Rent it out. Okay? Buy a used car first of all. If you can go without buying a car, don't even buy it. Get a bicycle. Yeah. Take the transit. Anything. Borrow moms. These are all. You know, I, I follow all kinds of transit Instagram pages. By the way. Really? No, I don't. 
<laughs> That's what I mean. It's just they won't feed into their... They're already predetermined to feed into that. They want the likes. They don't want it in real life is what you're saying right yeah that's my yeah. point it's hard it's hard for like you'll get the small percentage that will do that they'll go this is smart five six years down the line i will save x amount every year i will be smart about what i purchase i won't be committing to netflix amazon youtube premium all kinds of mm -hmm. streaming services whatever and music services and i'll leave those alone I save money, I save money, I save money. Then by the end of five, six years, I've got a hundred grand already on my own. So now I can go to mom and dad, mom and dad, mom and dad, mom and dad, and get only 50 grand maybe. To or get just my a cosign. Like or a cosign. The, the, the cosign is actually way more valuable than the increase on the down payment. The income goes way further mm -hmm. than and the down payment. And they only have to be on there for a year. Yeah, like we can take them off in a year or two. It's very easy. So the bank only wants to see it for a year. Well, no, it's... Depends. A lot of people are entering with less than 20% down payment. Therefore, their amortization on the loan is lower. Therefore, they can carry less mortgage money. When they can hit 20% equity in their home, you can extend that amortization to 30 years. And now your monthly payment goes down. So this looks more affordable for you. So what a lot of clients are doing is they're sticking a cosign on, going in with less than 20% down because that's what they have. And in... One to three years, just depending on what the market is doing, their home has appreciated enough that they now own at least 20% of it. And now we can refinance it, stretch the amortization. Now we don't need as much income on that, on that application to qualify for that loan. Plus, they got started, so they start looking attractive to banking. Mm -hmm. Well, they've probably gotten a salary increase over that period of time. They might have met a partner. Like, There's so many different things that have gone on, but... I truthfully think like we really need to work hard to just educate people younger about these types of things because in general, people are definitely maturing a lot more as they're approaching their 30s and they're like, oh, sh shit is real, you mm -hmm. know? I can't drink with my friends every weekend and like, boom, I'm 30, life is real, they have a kid. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's harder. Like hunting for a property with a child is way harder. Mm -hmm. Like I have so many clients who have a budget that would absolutely be appropriate to get themselves into a condo get their foot in the door somewhere between 550 and 650 it's not wonderful but it's doable and it does not work for them because now they have a child, child. where does that kid go you can't stick them in a den so a 650 gets you what a one bedroom that's yeah. an anthony question for sure that's definitely a one bedroom one bedroom eh look at vaughn i mean a one bedroom in vaughn is 650 700 in and around there so how many it's funny i was in montreal recently recording some shows and i stayed at an airbnb that someone hooked me up with and it was a tiny bit bigger than this boardroom <laughs> i'm not joking you it was like it was tiny 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 i i think i calculated less than 300 square feet yeah a lot of the, some there's some condos being built downtown right now that are only 300 square but this feet. is a three-piece bath kitchen closet bedroom family 300 square feet mm-hmm so get into that. So swallow your ego mm -hmm. and get into that. Nothing good comes easy. You have to sacrifice a little bit or a lot in order to ha get something good come out of anything in life. If you sacrifice a little bit now, you're, the rest of your life will be so much easier. I, I've gone through it. Mm -hmm. Michelle being at I'm, your I'm age set, like is, is, and accomplishing what you've done is incredible 
I wish more people her age would do that. But are your circle of friends the same? You guys hanging out with the same mentality or are you getting the people that are still? There's definitely a mix. Like I would say not all of my immediate circle are maybe entrepreneurial, but they all take what they do pretty seriously. Like, you know, they're physios or there's some teachers or there are some business owners, like whatever it is. But yeah, that, that's a big thing. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Like if you make the list of the people who are closest to you, are they complaining and making excuses or are they getting creative and trying to figure out strategies and how do we grow together? How can we put our heads together? Like your circle is so important. Competition as well. Like I'm trying to go back to construction guys where the one lesson I've taught all these guys is that in construction, doesn't matter what trade you are, there's a plateau. You're capped at a certain figure. You can only do so many jobs per year. You can only work so many hours. You can expand your business and try to get more workforce, get more jobs. But then that there's a balance for that. Because mm-hmm. what if things go wrong and now you got it? You're basically working 80 hours at that point. The only way you get ahead is if you start doing it for yourself, mm-hmm. where you buy a property and then you do it on the side. That's the majority of people in construction. That's what they've done. And then you hear about, I bought a single house and then I sold it. I turned it into a duplex, triplex. Mm-hmm. Then I got an apartment and then I sold it or I rented out. And that's how they grew their equity. I mean, everybody's strategy to wealth is different. Like, our strategy to wealth is going to be totally different than people who can actually get down and get their hands dirty and do that work themselves. And that's what people have to understand. Like you could physically go build a house. I can't do that, but I'm not going to sit here and whine about the fact that I can't build a house. I got to figure out what I can do and go down that road. Like people get wealthy and get comfortable off so many different types of things. You can't look at your neighbor and be like, how do I, why am I not like them? Like, cause they're white. <laughs> Um, needed to break it up. It's all fucking serious, man. It's all serious. For the record, I'm Olive. I'm in the middle. That's what I'm saying. I'm European. I don't give a shit. Okay. I'm not Caucasian. I'm European. But, um, so you're saying that it actually, and I agree with you, it makes more sense for all these young guy kids try to get a cosign instead of try to get that big lump to get that first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's also a lot of people like who, like you have a couple houses, you're thinking about your kids. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many people now who are in a bit of an older generation who they're calling their mortgage people and are like, I'm looking at this. I never thought I wanted another house or I didn't think that I wanted an investment property, but now I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, how is my kid going to own a house? So now they're buying houses before their kids are even old enough to live on their own. Is that what you're own. thinking? You're thinking that, that kind of, so you have a property for them I have and four- gifting it to them? I have four kids. I'd love to sell every single one of those properties to buy, to upgrade them to something else. But at the end of the day, those properties are probably going to end up going to them. My my wife is adamant about those homes. They're going to be for the kids. They're never going to be able to afford. My My way of looking at it is, no, they need to figure out how to do it themselves. It can't be just gifted to them, but my wife is... She's a mother. That's that's the way she looks at it. You're like teach them to fish, and she's like give yeah. them the fish. Yeah, no, no, no. There definitely has to be a happy medium. There's there's a pro and con to that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what um, I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, I'm not a parent, so I can't. Apparently, I can't speak when it comes to raising kids. Right? I've always said that uh, I've got the power of the uncle. Right? So I could just say fuck you. I don't care. I'm not your <laughs> parent. Right? Uh, I still like you, but I don't. I can care less at that mm-hmm. point. I've always had the mentality of like, 
If I had a kid, I'd tell the kid, go buy whatever car you want. I don't give a shit what it is. Go buy it. Just choose it. I'll pay for it. I don't care. You're fully responsible for the insurance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the way it's supposed to be. Right? You're showing them responsibility. You're showing them that there's consequences. It's smart, though, Anthony. Honestly, it's a smart move because if you buy a house now for a kid that's not going to really need to buy a house 20 years from now, they're going to save a lot of money. But Mm -hmm. even if he doesn't want to give the kids the house... Those properties are the cash flowing. Yeah, huge. The equity is growing. He can take the equity out of it and buy four more. He can. That could be the deposit for the kids. So then they could. I I ended up selling one of my properties, and bought a building. Okay. I said, okay, this building's making me uh, three thousand a month. I can sell this house, spend a little bit more money, buy this building, and all of a sudden I have ten thousand dollars coming in per month this is my retirement this is this is the way I, I had to fight tooth and nail with my wife but I, I told her I said what's the difference between a house and uh, this building more units exactly <laughs> more income but you're self-employed you have no pension there's no government wait money for waiting for you even if there's government money it's it, nothing it, it's nothing it's peanuts I look at my parents what they're getting mm-hmm. a month. it's nothing and my dad not was survivable. a teacher yeah it, it's not you can't live off of that. Okay, so for let's just say for argument's sake, Louis Cipher himself shows up, changes everything, and the world goes to all shit, and everything just dumps. Can that happen? Can the entire market turn around like we've never seen it before? That's going to be so depressing. Honestly, <sighs> I would be depressed. We did. Nobody thought the depression, depression was going to happen when the depression happened. I know, but it's just like, oh my god, that would suck because it's. Listen, the grass is the grass is always greener, though. Like, you know, I definitely have sympathy for people who are having difficulty maybe putting their feet on the ground and getting in front of things and expanding their wealth. But also, I look at the people that I see who are doing that and they're working, you know, sixteen-hour days, seven days a week. They're missing time away from their family. It's it's not all like rainbows and butterflies. They're busting their ass. But do you that really need suck. to be doing that, though? Like, are we are we so stuck in the rat race that we have to do? I gotta go work five jobs so then I can get the deposit so I can pay this and cover that. And I think you have to be creative. How think, you do it? Yeah, I don't think you have to uh, work as many hours as uh, as you're saying. I mean, you can. I all, agree. You you don't have to. The people who do do it are addicted. That's that's what to working. I'm addicted to working. Michelle, def- yeah. she's addicted to, to working, right? We take pride in what we do, and we love dealing with the people that we're dealing with. That's why we do it. It's an addiction. That's our, uh, uh, what do you call Vice. it? Vice. Yeah. It's funny. I, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. I'm like, I wake up every day, like, psyched. There's never a day that I wake up, and I'm like, ugh. What time? I just, I don't want to do what it time? today. Do I wake up? Recently, I've been waking up a little bit later at, like, 8, because... <laughs> I used to wake up at like five, but I've been You're working. In. Wow. I have been sleeping in. Listen, in my world, that's sleeping Eight. in. That's totally sleeping in. Yeah, it is sleeping in. Sometimes realtors call me at like seven and I'm just like, take a quick like chug of my water and pretend like I've been awake for the two hours. The biggest problem I have is I'm up at four and mm-hmm. I have to wait until nine to make phone calls to you regular people. 
because mm-hmm. how dare you call them before then, right? I'm not regular. I'm up at five. I feel I like know, you, you identify people that you can call early in the morning, though. Like <laughs> I know sometimes I wake up at six thirty, six forty-five, and I, I know DMing me call. at that time yeah. because they know I'm up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what would be the first sign if the apocalypse starts? The the real estate apocalypse starts to happen. What would be the first sign? The bank rate go up? No, I don't. I don't. Think it's still that record low bank rates. Yeah, bank like rates is, is what started like feeding crazy. the depression, right? As soon as they start increasing the bank rate to offset the inflation, we've known that in Canada here, we have not seen this kind of inflation since 91. Thank you, Justin. <sighs> Whoa, we're taking shots. Well, yeah, we are. Oh. A, complete, fact, a fact is a fact is yeah, a fact. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> like, okay, listen, they've spent, what is it, $2 trillion, so they're just feeding the inflation. So I'm just saying that totally. bankrupt, it's going to go up because they're going to have to try to feed the inflation. That's what the depression did. Mm-hmm. So I just I've joked and, and it's not even a joke. I've said it on the show before. I go, listen, man, the Roaring Twenties was right before the Depression. Mm-hmm. Depression was twenty seven, twenty eight, and right now we're in the Roaring Twenty Twenties. Mm-hmm. What goes up must come down. Yes. So if this all happens, what are the first signs and what should we be cautious of? If we just bought a property and now I guess we have all this equity in it, that property is going to drop value. And then you're going to have to hope that that value does not drop lower than the current mortgage that you have. So then you have to offset the difference when the mortgage is up for renewal, three, five, whatever years it is, right? I don't think you'll have to offset the difference when you'll it's still, up for renewal. You'll still be fine. The value of that property as will be As long as fine. you don't move it, it's going to have to stay with the same lender. You wouldn't be able to move it, but yeah. it's like it'll renew. They'll send you the papers. They do that now. They don't look at the value of the house. You could have knocked the house down. When they send you renewal papers in the mail... It could be a crack house now. You don't even have a job anymore. They don't. They don't. They don't, care. they don't know. As long as you're making that mortgage payment on That's time. That's all they care about. Yeah. So, I mean, you wouldn't be able to refinance, move. I tell clients all the time. They ask me the question. Oh, what? What if the uh, the market drops? Guess what? You don't sell. Just keep it. And you we're all screwed. It. Like they take that personally. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're thinking about themselves. I'm like, we have a big problem. Like as a group. Mm-hmm. If you don't sell, you don't lose anything. It's as simple as that. Wait until the market corrects itself, goes back up again, and then you can sell again. You buy and sell in the same market. But if you don't sell, you don't lose. It's plain and simple. So what's the rule of thumb again about how much money you should have just in case for a rainy day if you're carrying a mortgage, whatever. Let's say your mortgage is per month, $3,000. Six months. Six months worth you should have accessibility to. That's right. Yeah. That's cash flow, not extra line of credit flow. No, cash. No. Because like you've, already, you've already banked it out to mm-hmm. the point, right? So now you need cash flow. Six months worth. Mm-hmm. So at three grand, you're at uh, 18. 18 hanging around. Yep. So no Cuba, no vacations. This no is the thing. It's not no Cuba, no vacations, my life sucks. It's like just bunker down for one year. People can't do that. No. If you just bunker down for like one year... You are going to be amazed at your financial position, well, how it improves. Look at what happened at the beginning. As soon as COVID hit, no one could do anything. All of a sudden, there's all this money hanging around to mm-hmm. do renovations. Mm-hmm. That's where it went. Right? So, okay, if you had money problems, you should have taken that opportunity. Instead of renovating your entire house, don't, don't do it. But everybody was stuck at home, working from home in their track pants in front of TVs and computer screens, right? I hear gardening toughness. is very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Gardening? Gardening. It is totally 100%. Read a Read book. A book. <laughs> read a book. How many people actually read anymore? I read. I know. 
but you can't garden you don't read. in February, March. Okay. <laughs> you can't unless you have a greenhouse. Imperial. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read. <laughs> uh, okay, so what else do we want to share? What else you guys want to share? What are the little tidbits that's going on in the world right now? Are there advantages and disadvantages? I love that you said that immigrants within 18 months are buying a fucking house, man. Mm-hmm. Which is really depressing, man. They probably also went up to CN Tower, too, when everybody else here has never done that. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing they do. Yeah. Okay. And Let's how look. many Canadians have? They haven't. They no. don't do it. I but walked around the top of that outside. That shit is scary. I wouldn't do I, that. I can't. Not it anymore. was a surprise. I'd rather just jump off of it. You guys want to hear this story, this funny story, actually. Sure. <laughs> I, I was going on a date, and I didn't know where we're going. And this guy pulls up to the CN Tower... Is like we're we're walking around. Is this the your CN first Tower. date? Is this a first? No, date? it wasn't a first date. Okay, and I was just gonna say. I looked at him, and I was like, "Did you already pay for this? <laughs> like, I don't want to go up there." Well, I, you were I thinking did. sparkles. No, you... I'm thinking like, that's a lot. <laughs> like, you don't know. Am I afraid of heights? Like, it's a good point. You know, that's out on a limb. Wow, but, he, but you did it anyway. I did do it. Honestly, being up there was better for me than the elevator. It's I don't like that elevator. I'd rather be in the elevator. Really? I stomp on oh the glass. God. You're. I'm the kid stomping on the glass. Sick. No, there that there. It's not gonna no. go. It's impossible. Oh it my won't, god! It will no. not go. No, it's it not impossible. It will not go. You know how many layers there are there? And even if you break the first few, you're not going to break through the second one. Man, he's on the news. Like, (laughs) man smashes through glass floor of CN Tower. And (laughs) survives. Construction He knows five words. (laughs) (laughs) And he can still read. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, we're going to get in trouble. But, uh, okay, so what else, man? uh, Are there parts of the country or parts of Ontario or parts of the city that are better than others that, that you should be considering? Oh, outside the GTA. Just uh, stay away from the GTA. Stay away from the GTA. Orma Dante. Go north. Okay. Orma, the places like Orma Dante, Fergus. Orma, that's a city? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The thing is, people got to wrap their head around. It's not a big city right now, but it will be. Mm-hmm. Orma Dante? Orma yeah, Dante. I don't even it's know right off it the 400. Or right at the end of the 400. Where, really? Mm-hmm. I've never heard. How far How far does the 400? Wait, that's way past. Just past Barry. I know. That's far. Innisville, they just got. But even uh, Barry's stupid expensive. It's now it is. But Barry's, but again, tra- transit, no. Yeah, they have the go train. Yeah, transit is like probably one of the biggest things that drives up prices in an area. Like if you're within eight hundred meters of a transit, jacks up the price of jack, the house. Yeah, I feel like that's a premium. What about east? How far east you got to go to kind of find some nice little nuggets? Pickering, Oshawa. Really? Huh? Mm-hmm. West. West Hamilton is still affordable. Hamilton's still Hamilton affordable. Hamilton is definitely still affordable. Yeah. London is still affordable. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, Brantford is still affordable. Kitchener. Uh, mm, townhomes for a million dollars in Kitchener now. Really? Oh. Cambridge? Really? Same thing. That much? A million dollars. Yeah. Cambridge is because university. No? Mm. That's why. University town and, and transit, you're going to be hiking up prices. No? Well, they're selling condos in London for 800000 like what, a 500 square foot? No, they're 1,200 square feet. Four bedroom. Are we always going to have all these condos? Is there always going to be the need for these condos? That's the way That's the way of the future. They want condos. They want... It, think of it this way. You're to build utilities-wise. You have one condo. 
you have one line going into the condo and then that line feeds everyone else. Yeah, yeah. It's cheaper. That's why builders are doing it. That's what the government wants. They want more infill. They don't want to spread out. That's they. That's what they. That's the. That's been the plan for the, the past twenty years. So why not buy a property in these smaller places? I guess and actually knock it down to make it that multi generational sharing. You know that old eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred, where lots of people came and people would stay and they visit and they travelers. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you'd have the, like a bed and breakfast kind of thing. Why not just build that and accept all these people to come in? Isn't Airbnb doing that now? Easier said than done, though. You're like, let's just grab it and build it. I know how to build it, though. That's why. Yeah, you know how to build it. I would live in it. You would live. All right. With complete strangers that you have no idea about. Yeah, why not? If they're paying, sure. Mm. Yeah, because they get into our cars, mm-hmm. right? Well, what's That's, yeah? What's Uber. a what's a duplex? What's a triplex? Fourplex? Everyone's already living with it's each the other. Same what's, thing. Yeah. What's the difference between living in a condo it's and same. that? Yeah. Why not? Any rules right now with those kinds of things? I guess city-wise, I'm trying to think of. I don't think there's any rules. If it's a tri, if you make it a legal triplex, then you have to have the fire and the the sound requirements attached to it. That's it. But you regarding a a communal home, people sharing everything that you don't. That I don't think there's any requirements. No. I mean, it'll probably be that you'll still have the same fire uh, requirements and you're still going to have to go through the same process. To me, it's it's worth the uh, the investment. Would that be attractive to the banks? Or what, a communal home? How is it zoned? Like, is this a residential zoning? It's a zone yeah. residential, yeah. And it just has like, it's just a big house? It's a big house, I guess, with lots of bedrooms just to accommodate everybody. That's... But, just a house. Like, who's on title of the house? Everyone. You're sharing it. How many? Is there a rule? Can yeah. you? Yeah. Um, four. Four is the max. Four. And then you you can't you can't add a fifth. No. Not even in the basement. Yeah. No. I mean, like four people on the title, title of the house. Yeah. That's the max. Yeah. Why do they choose four? I don't know. This is across the board. All the banks. Pretty much. Yeah. You should might we, find like a one-off exception somewhere, but yeah. Should we stay away from all the big banks? And then go second, no? You guys are kind of both kinking your heads. I mean, it depends on what you want to do. Like, the big banks maybe don't always have the absolute best interest rate. Maybe they don't have the best penalty terms. But a lot of people want easy access to their equity in the future. That's a big thing. So if you want secondary financing in, like, a home equity line of credit or you make good income and you want to put a second mortgage behind, you can do those types of things with big banks. You maybe can't do that as easily with all the monoline lenders and things like that. So it just kind of depends where you're at. I'm self-employed, so big banks don't like me. Yeah. No, because you look bad on paper, technically speaking. Mm -hmm. But you don't look bad on paper now because you've got properties. No, yeah, that doesn't doesn't matter. Income is king. It doesn't matter. Equity is not queen no strictly income yeah like i mean so he's got four properties and that's not value to his portfolio no because it's they're looking at he has four properties he makes x amount of money there's you know x amount of mortgage debt already on these properties and then they say okay there's rental income in these houses but we're not going to recognize 100 percent of it we're going to look at 50 percent of it because Half? Yeah, because, you know, he has expenses to do it. And people think, oh, if I buy a house for, you know, a million dollars or whatever it is, and the cost to 
keep that house every month with mortgage and everything else is 2500 and I rent it out for 2500 We break even. The bank lets me to buy another house. Like, it, it does not work like that. They changed that because five years ago, they did actually did do that. I was able to claim 100% of the rental income. The rental income. Yeah, and then they changed it about probably about three, four years ago. And it went down to 50%. And I'm like, well. Who changed it? Municipal? Or well, it's, provincial? Uh, I w- it, it's the banks. The it, banks changed. Yeah. Oh, the banks changed it. The banks changed it. Yeah, but our, our history with Canadian banks, they've never been in the red. Ever. Not once. No, they're the, we have the safest banking system in the world. If I remember, they won't take risks. If you're in the States, well, they're giving homes away for free. So that's the problem with them. We <laughs> talked about this last time. Yeah, they're giving homes for free. Yeah. They had a little housing problem. <laughs> um, we talked about this where a lot of construction guys, like the truth is, more. I would say 75% of contractors do cash jobs. So yeah. their their true income is not true, right? So, but how do we, and I know that, Michelle, you talked about this. You got to listen, just bite the fucking bullet mm-hmm. and start declaring this shit. It's yeah. the same thing when you're when you're self-employed. If you're not claiming an income, say for example, you're about to buy a house. You're you're too. You have to, you literally have to start declaring an income two years before you you buy your. You want to buy. You want to consider buy. That's right. Because th- am I wrong when when I say or, th- yeah? Or you need at least twenty percent down, and then you go to what's called a stated income program, which is at subprime lenders like B lenders. They're still institutional lenders, so they still have debt servicing ratios. It's not private money where they're only looking at equity. Private money doesn't care about income. It only cares about equity. But you don't have to present tax documents then. So like I could have somebody self-employed for six months, one year. They give me bank statements. I see cash flow. I state, okay, you're um, a landscaper. It costs you such and such money for gas every month such and such money to pay your laborers like it's literally stated income and i use bank statements but it's like we kind of get to i don't want to say make it up but it's like we don't have to prove it with tax documents interest rate is a little bit higher not a lot though no a couple months ago b b rates were sitting in the same space as fixed rates at a banks um there are one, one or two points not even right now yeah they're like one or one percent different half percent different but it's like they were exactly the same as banks over the last year. The difference is the fee to enter. You typically have a 1% lender and a 1% broker fee. Who cares? What are you going to wait two years to file your taxes over 1% or 2%? Or are you going to get in and then your house is appreciating by 7 8% on average? Obviously, the last few years were way better. And then if you want to file your taxes, amazing. We'll slide you to the bank later. But if you don't want to, hang out there. Who cares? Is it true that the banks are paying attention to people's social media? I don't know. The bank, I don't, I don't know. So. I was they told, definitely stalk C, people. I was told CRA was, is doing it too. It wouldn't surprise If me. you submit tax returns and they're not in line with your lifestyle on your social media, that you might get audited. Okay, so I have a story. I had a client um, a few months ago, and it was a day and a half, two days before closing, And the lender called me and said, did your client used to work for such and such company? They called my assistant. My assistant calls me. I'm like, don't answer that question. And then she's like, well, they want to know. I was like, well, I'm going to call and figure out why they're asking. Like, why would they ask a question like that two days before closing? Everything's done. They can't tell me what they found. I call my client back. I'm like, 
did you used to work for such and such company? He says, no. I call the lender back. He says he didn't work for that company. And then the lender goes, just type into Google your client's name and that company name and look for this link and click it. So-and-so client arrested for smuggling cocaine over the Australian border. You're intrigued now, eh? You guys both sit up. Well, technically speaking, I'm a dead soccer player. Well, there you go. So, so then I, so listen, this is the best part because I really ride for my clients. Like there's a lot of strategy in putting mortgages together. And I was like, well, you know, such and such name is like a really common name. And then the lender's like, Michelle, scroll down. Your client's picture is right there. We matched it to their driver's license. Like this is your client. And I'm like, okay. So like his girlfriend's a really good person. Like, can we just take him (laughs) off the mortgage? And they're like guilty by association. Like we can't do this deal. So then I call my client back. I'm like, Hey, he goes, Hey, you know, I'm just here with my girlfriend. And I'm like, okay, this is about to be weird. Um, so remember when you told me like a couple minutes ago that this wasn't you, I'm like, the lender has a news article that you were smuggling cocaine across, you know, the Australian border in 2017 and you were arrested for it. And he's just goes, fuck (laughs) and i was like okay so i just go into game mode right because listen i'm not here to judge and he starts trying to explain himself listen the story is totally i'm like i don't care i'm like your house is closing in two days like i need to move this whole mortgage you're not allowed to be on it anymore you can't be on title of the house like other lenders will find this too but your girlfriend has obviously been busting her ass to be on the house i can make this deal work you just can't be a part of it we're moving forward but yeah, so they're stalk- they are stalking you. I don't doubt it. I honestly don't doubt it. That's why I think you got to be cautious of what you do. Wow. And mm-hmm. also just, I mean, in argument's sake too, just be careful about maybe you, you forgot a single stupid payment when you were younger and it just went into collections or some shit like that and it just stuck on your file, right? That stuff's not as bad. That's not as bad. Well, How long does this Drug dealing seven is years? different. Six, seven years. Yeah. Uh, it's like, mm. it's more so criminal stuff. Like I have a... I had a client who's like almost 50 years old and the banks have him blacklisted from when he was arrested for three and a half grams of weed when he was 19. Oh boy. And it's just like, come on, you know? Okay. The smuggling cocaine, fine. You know, that's a lot of powder. I mean, weed is basically gardening. So yeah. Nowadays. But, and it, but it's like, that's the thing is that's now legal, but you don't want to lend this guy a mortgage or, I had a client who owned a marijuana company and he no longer owns the company. He sold it. The bank won't lend him money, but they will lend any employee who's a salaried employee at that company. They will lend that person money. That makes no sense. That's not right. I know. It's not right. They just, but they, they they pick their positions on things and then the rules as they go. They're the ones lending the money. Yeah, that's right. Mm hmm. That's wild. Where is the B lender money coming from? Private? No. Um, a lot of it is backed actually by a lot of major financial institutions that you would recognize. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to compare it to something else. Like what's like a luxury car brand that also owns maybe just a regular level Lexus car brand? Toyota. Yeah. yeah. Like that kind of thing. It's like that, right? Yeah. It's their way of uh, collecting a little bit more interest. On people who can't afford it. That's right. So might as well charge the people who can't afford it more money. To survive, what sense does that make? It it, it just it's called my the mind. divisions where we no longer have, like you said, middle class. 
there's only one country in this entire world right now that has the biggest middle class. Can you guys take a guess which one it is? Switzerland? Middle class. Biggest middle class? Yeah. Biggest, huge, biggest, they have the most population in their population. Can I get a continent? <laughs> is it Europe? China. China. No. Wow. China has 60 some odd percent of their population is middle class. And that's why China is such a thriving economy right now. Listen, they get shit done. Like we're sitting here talking about building the pandemic hit. China put up like a big hospital in like five days. Mm -hmm. If they if there's a bridge that falls down, it's back up in a month. It is. I've never been to China. I've been to Japan, but I've never been to China. Just the people there don't look very happy. They look very suppressed. That's all. I'm just you saying. think? No. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so right now. Yeah. Hmm. But they have the biggest middle class. And, and if you look at history, middle class is what thro- grows an economy. Mm-hmm. So we don't have one anymore. America definitely does not have one. Mm-hmm. So you've got the division where you've got the people struggling, having to go to a B, C lender, have to pay more to try to get that house. Then you've got the wealthy who gets all kinds of deals. All it's kinds of them. deals. It's easier for them, right? Because why? They just built all that equity? Yeah. And they can get approved right away. And I, I need 20 million. I want 20 million. Sure, here you go. 20 million. I don't know how we fix it, though. You don't fix it. It's hard because it's, it's so out of hand now. And it's, it's, a, like, it's a moving target right it's now. It's like, you know, what did we kind of bring up at the beginning of this was that tax. So you're now going to tax somebody who maybe lives in a $2 million house. Fifty percent, but but you but they bought that house maybe in the fifties or the sixties, and they don't. They're actually not wealthy. All they have is their house. Maybe they don't even have a mortgage on it. Maybe they live very frugal. I don't they, know. They actually can't sell it to pay it. Yeah. So they have to stay. That means they die. But then as soon as it gets transferred, ownership probate. That, that's what house. That's what's. That's where they're going to get it. But the government's asking this for what? Because they've spent too much and created inflation. Is that really our fault? No. That's not our fault. They, well, it's our fault for electing them. And just complying. I didn't. I'm not like mm-hmm. anti absolutely everything. Like I won't be too aggressive about that. But it's like, come on, guys. If we're talking about lockdown, you're in your house. If we're not in our house and you don't feel comfortable leaving your house, don't leave your house. It's the same as lockdown. Like I don't understand what we're arguing about. I think we're on the same page, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the people dictating the rules are not on the same page. They're not even reading the same book. We've hired them to do a job and they've done the exact opposite of what they were supposed to do. Government in Canada, in North America, has way overextended themselves. They've had their hands in too many cookie jars and government was never meant to do something like that. They're meant to worry about your roads which suck, by the way. That's right. Everything that they were supposed to do, they're not doing. And everything that they're not supposed to do, they're still not doing it right. So w- I'm not disagreeing with you guys. But isn't there, we go back to everybody trying to keep up with the Joneses and social media. And isn't the mentality that the government is creating, everyone fend for themselves. So if you're surviving and you're making money, then fuck the rest. Fuck everybody else that's around you. As long as you're surviving and your circle is surviving. Is that really fair? Is that how you do it? No, that's not how you do it. I don't know. Like, obviously, I go about my life. I do try to put my life together well. I take that stuff seriously. I think about 
how do I spend my time? Is this productive? Blah, blah, blah. But I also think about sharing and educating as much as I can as well. It's on you if you're going to execute that. Mm-hmm. Because my perspective is, you know, when we talked about competition earlier, like Tom Brady can give you his playbook. You're not going to execute it like Tom Brady. No, no. So who cares if somebody else has your playbook? Like thrive. Do what you want to do. Share. Shamelessly steal information from each other. Like, But that goes back to then you're just in it for yourself. I don't think it does. Like if somebody asks no, me I mean, how I did No, I society in general. Society in general. You're just in it for yourself. Yeah, but Manny, you can only lead a horse to water. You can't no, force I agree. it to drink. I agree. So, I mean, everyone has everyone has to look at themselves in the mirror and say, am I doing this or am I not? Okay? I got to get my head off out of my ass and go to work. I can't be in front of a TV all day. I can't have my phone in front of my in my hand all day long. I need to now at my age, whatever age it is, I I love everyone. I I want the best for everyone. But if someone can't help themselves, you can't make them. No. And and what bothers me the most is they're the first ones to complain about someone else doing well, yep. but they won't pick up their own socks. And that's not right. And what's crazy is if you actually look at successful people, any industry, if you if somebody who's like an up and coming realtor approaches you and they're hungry and they want to learn and everything, you would open your door to them. hundred percent. Like the, it's there. It's but available. it's on them. To execute. navigate and get it done. Yeah. I, I know what works for me. I know what works for me is not going to work for someone else. Yeah. Everyone has to follow, find their own path, their own way of getting stuff done. At the end of the day, there's many roads to get to the CN Tower. You just have to pick your road to get there. That's all that they need to do. And then don't jump on the glass floor when you get there. Don't go on a date when you get there. <laughs> <laughs> just ride the elevator. <laughs> So two years ago, you guys were saying, buy, 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 just buy the, find the place, find the place. But, and you're also saying then and now, don't overextend. Don't go stupid. Mm-hmm. Buy within your means. Be a little more humble. Mm-hmm. Don't keep up with the Joneses. Just get that first place. Maybe survive with that fixer upper for a few years. Hang on to it. Mm-hmm. These are the life lessons, right? Hang on to it. Because two years from now, that property is going to be 300 grand worth more. Mm-hmm. Michelle, you, you just bought your first home this year. Yeah. What, How did that address? go? What's the address again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew your address off the top of my head. I would have just spit that out. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> no, yeah, but that was hard. Like, I bought a house by myself. That's amazing. To, you did you approve I mean? yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a conflict of interest? Like a doctor like, prescribing drugs It didn't get submitted under my name, but I had to go to my team and I was like, this is how I want to put my mortgage together. Send it to this lender. Show them this, 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 this. I wasn't allowed to go back and forth with the, with the lender. That was actually really stressful for me. I would call like my assistant every day. I'm like, call them. Why don't we have it yet? Tell them to hurry up. And I knew my documents were perfect. Like the way that I submitted them, I gave banks. Bank statements are always the most annoying thing to go through when looking at somebody's like down payment. Mortgage professionals basically are responsible for looking for money laundering. And I'm serious. It's anti-money laundering regulation is like pretty much put on the backs of mortgage professionals. You're looking for money laundering. Yeah, like we have to track and source every dollar. That's why it's like if you have under the mattress money and you want to buy a house, just put it in the bank. If it sits there for 90 days, nobody's going to know. Just put it there. Is that the advice you give to the drug dealers? Yeah, I'm like, put it. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's crazy. I can only imagine how much that they're actually looking into. It's not just a matter of you giving all your information up and they look at you and look for your credit store. It's not. It's literally they're looking at a bunch of things. Yeah. They're looking at a ton of stuff. I've seen a client get declined because they went to the LCBO every day. They're like, this person's an addict. We don't want to lend them a mortgage. Because they saw a purchase from the LCBO every, every day. Every day? Every day. Yeah. A little bit of a problem, no? Yeah. He was a, I really like him. He's still a client of mine. And I just told him, like, listen, we got to go over to this lender for right now. I was like, what I need you to do is at the beginning of the week, Don't take 150 boost. bucks out cash, buy your LCBO cash. Like, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. But I am here to give you the, the best advice is how we can above board understand mortgage policies and maneuver around them if you want to grab like a beer every day do your thing red flags would be like cd establishments like if they go to strip joints shit like that like these are all red flags that would come up they yeah like they're looking for definitely addiction and gambling is something that would be a flag because it speaks to character it right does. like think about this but if it contributes your buddy, to a loss of money yeah but it's like if somebody comes to you and asks you for half a million dollars wouldn't you want to like look into some stuff of course first? totally clients always get really offended they'll like send me the bank statements and they'll black out everything except for what the bank specifically asked to see which is that deposit and i'm like <laughs> you literally yeah people do that and they're like i just think it's nobody's business and i'm like karen you're, you're asking them for half a million dollars like if and then i put it back on them i'm like if somebody asked you for half a million dollars wouldn't you want to see some things it's true you got. You guys would laugh if you sat in my chair. Oh, the amount of imagine. stuff that you know that you see. Crazy stuff that I see. The conversations I have. Like a client had an ex- got an accepted offer the other day. The purchase price was like five fifty. You know how hard that is. You do. It's hard <laughs> right now. Five fifty for a condo five, for. Yeah, but just in general, that's a tricky price point. Like I think she probably lost fifteen bidding wars, and then it's like two days before that. Like, we don't get live updates on the credit bureaus. Two days before that, they went and bought a new car. So now I go to submit the mortgage. We refresh the credit. And I call her like, what is this? I hear that all the time. And then they're just like, well, I mean, like, we were looking for a new car. Like, we mentioned that. I'm like, yeah. And what did I say? No. (laughs) I said no. Moral of the story. Don't buy a car. Don't. Like... You can get anything else after you move into your house. Literally anything else. Once you get in, you Once can get Once you get anything. in, you can do whatever you want. You can quit your job and go rogue. As long as you make that mortgage payment, you're fine. Then they're like, well, what's like the worst case scenario? I'm like, you need to find somebody else to stick on this house today. Like, Ouch. It's bad. Are the banks in bed with CRA? 100%. Mm-hmm. Canadian Revenue Services for uh, agency, whatever, for the Americans and anybody else outside. But so, tax man. The, the major banks, for sure. But like B lending, that's always a question that I get. Because you're, you're like, saying about if you've got a wad of money, put it in the bank, put it in the bank. As soon as you put it in the bank, CRA knows about it. Those statements are going to get submitted. If you lie about it, if you're going to you, get caught. If you put a large sum of cash in the bank, I have to show a 90-day history of your money. So if you put it in TD Bank... Maybe I'm not going to go to TD Bank, but maybe I'm going to go to Scotiabank and I'm going to tell you, like, I just need us to wait 90 days. Like, you can buy a house, but put a long closing because I need that deposit to be pushed back 90 days because I have to show 90 days and that deposit cannot be within my 90 day range. And it's even worse for Seven Floyd, no? It's yes. longer. 
the the actual six months. Well, they they need to look at six months worth of bank records. But the moral that you literally the the bank when you deposit money, as long as you deposit anything under ten thousand dollars, it doesn't get flagged. Nine 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 point nine nine. It won't get flagged. It won't get flagged. No, that's it. Will not get flagged. Okay, Pablo. Uh, I don't make the rules. This was the client I was talking about, by the way. <laughs> I don't make the rules, man. No, you need an Australian accent. <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> this was the client. You just sold out your client, and her address is. Yeah. <laughs> No, of course not. No. So, yeah. So, we just got to be... I guess you just got to be a good citizen. That's all it is. No, you don't have to be a good citizen. You need to speak to people who know what they're talking about. Like, we're self-employed. We get it. It sucks. But this is the world we live in. It's why there's accountants who thrive and no loopholes and blah, blah, blah. You need to get some good people on your side. Nothing that we're doing is illegal. Is there... It's just understanding... A different set of rules for the wealthy. For getting approvals, for purchasing net worth, like if you purchase a ten million dollar house or whatever, is it different set of rules or is it? It depends how wealthy you are. Yeah, it's not. Everyone has the same set of rules, but if you have more money, you're able to buy more, Mm -hmm. right? It's Mm. it's. Mm. Well, there's high net worth programs, so let's put medium wealth people, and I say medium wealth like in this economy. Okay, so. There's a lender where their net worth program starts at you having $150,000 in liquid cash across different investment types. It just it has to be somewhat liquid. You can have it invested, stocks, whatever, but there's certain accounts that don't count. And every dollar that you don't qualify for with your income for mortgage money, that $150,000, assuming it sits there after your down payment has been put down, you can use that to qualify for money. And then there's another lender where their bottom threshold starts at 250K. There's another one that starts at 500,000. But then there's, like I know clients who we're talking billions. They're not looking at anything, multi-millions. They're not looking at anything because you don't want to piss them off. They come in the bank and they're like, I want this loan tomorrow. Your option is give them the loan tomorrow or they're going to cash out their hundreds of millions of dollars that they have sitting in your bank and go to the bank across the street and get it. So at that level, definitely the rules are changing. Okay. But, that, that's but it's not like, that's not risky. Every, yeah. Yeah. I just figure that there's privileged treatments there. That's all for the wealthy that they probably even get better interest rates than the non-wealthy. Mm-hmm. No, it's not the wealth. It's not the wealth that's getting them the interest rate. It's the size of the loan. Got it. The banks will fight with each other over getting that big loan for like, a half a point or whatever it is lower than the competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'd rather have it on their book. Yeah. I wish I knew how that felt. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> maybe one day. All right. My I children. Maybe. I, I yeah. Did. You're like, I'm going to be selling all of these houses. I think this was an interesting chat, guys. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah. This was fun. Do we? Uh, the band's back together. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody always says it's fun to come on the show, man. But But you know what? Carlito. Carlito. I can't force him. You know what? I'm it's been two years. He's he does he does one a, a week. That's what it does. It's that, offensive. That's, it. that, that's I, offensive. I'm it's still a- offended that he told me he would do my backsplash. Uh-oh. Carlito, my backsplash two years ago. <laughs> Anthony, he doesn't even listen to the show. Yeah. Well, 
I, that's not even <laughs> help my cause. That's the saddest part. He doesn't even listen to. The, I'm gonna have to specifically take this out and send it to him. Please and do. He, he's what, probably gonna go. Who is that? But what's worse? Oh my god. What's worse? The fact that I've actually waited two years to get my back splash done, <laughs> or the fact that he hasn't done it. I don't know. Did he tell you he was going to do it? And he didn't yeah. show up and face you today. Who? No, he didn't show he was, up and he's face working. You today. He's working right now. That's why. So that, well, that would it. be the easiest excuse. No, but you gave me Tuesday, and I said, "Listen, Anthony, and him, they're coming back." So I'm like, "Let's do it." And he goes, "No, I can't do it. I'm sorry." Man. I'm like, "Okay." We know where we stand. Yeah, it's okay. I That's get it. That's fine. We will have to do a third one and see because I mean, he would have had a lot of questions for you guys, but he would have went on a tangent too. That and you would have cut him off. Yeah, of course, because <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> Anthony Caputo, www.thecaputogroup.ca, Anthony at thecaputogroup.ca, Instagram, thecaputo.realestate. Michelle? Faruja. Faruja. Cognitive. Cognitive capital. <laughs> he got it. It's really simple. It's a hard word to express. Cognitive, like Co- a brain. Cognitive. It's hard. Capital, like money. Cognitivo. I'm trying to think of a word that you can say that it's really easy for me that you probably would have a hard time to say. In construction word. Pneumatic. Pneumatic. Fuck off. Triple <laughs> <laughs> W cognitive capital.ca, Michelle at cognitivecapital.ca, and on Instagram, cognitive.capital. Yes. Guys, thank you very much for coming back on the show. Did you guys do the 12 questions? You did, right? Yes. Yes, you, did you? I have. What? what, what? Sure. Did I ever ask you guys the twelve questions? Oh, the first time we came. Did you? Well, the you first guys, time this, we came, the second time was it really inappropriate. It was really inappropriate. Yeah, I felt this like was this was much professional. It's like we we were way matured. more professional today. I think we've, we've mu- matured a lot. I, yeah, outside of I the felt drug dealers on that side of the table, <laughs> <laughs> you felt what? I've I been uncomfortable this whole time talking about drugs and. <laughs> I don't know. Did you get well? You know what? Just answer these questions. Everyone's always going to want to find out these questions. But uh, what is your favorite construction? You're you're in construction, no? No. At your home, you're doing rentals, no? Oh, not really. No, No. you didn't touch any of it. No. The beam, the The load bearing beam. Yeah, they did. Oh yeah, I called you. They did come. I had to get an engineering report done. Yeah, that's easy. And I just haven't dealt with it yet. What did he charge you? Five fifty. For the engineering report? No. How much? I don't even want to share what they charge me for the engineering report. Are you telling me if it's support. anything more than five fifty, then you're being taken five hundred and fifty dollars? Yes. Oh, Can wow. you send me something? Because that shit was like literally almost two grand. It's a but site visit. Someone, it's a site visit. It, it was an engineer who came. I know, but it's a site visit. They look at it. It's pretty straightforward. They, they made it like a whole booklet about it, like a report. That's a little excessive. Oh my god. Let's go fishing. I'm upset. Ask before you do things. Why didn't I you did. ask me about that? I called you. No, he you, was like Orangeville no, is no, like the North Pole. I look. I looked. I at have the, no idea where it that is. Over an hour drive. It was like an over an hour drive. That's Orange. fine. I'm like. But, but I'm you, like. Find but, me someone who it's not that far. But you dismissed me, and then you went to go get an engineer to charge you two thousand dollars. Did no, you? No, I just. I didn't dismiss you. You're like. Eh, it's no, no. Far. Where'd you find know. the engineer? Through a contractor. Who's the contractor up there? Yeah. Why didn't you ask? Man. Dun, dun, Listen, I'm gonna dun. I'm gonna tell you guys right now. Somebody's coming to quote me for a deck. That's easy. And I want to get another quote though, because now I'm like anybody listening there. Yeah, like I need a deck now immediately. Dead of winter. Deck. A deck. Deck. Not a, de- a, a deck. deck. A deck. A deck. <laughs> a deck. There he, he is. Perverts all there of you. There he is. What's wrong with you? A deck, not a duck. A deck. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll build you a glass floor deck. Yes. 
It won't be that. You high can stomp all you want on that. No, it won't fall through. All right, Michelle, what's your favorite construction word? Deck. <laughs> that sounded a little bit like Anthony. Construction word. I like reciprocal. What's your least favorite construction word? Pneumatic. <laughs> Mine's deck. <laughs> What turns you on in construction? Nothing, because you're going to go through a bunch of shit. Michelle, do you like decks? Does that turn you on? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad this isn't videotaped. This is like the first episode again. (laughs) Luckily, we kept it at the end. Yes. (laughs) Because nobody ever gets to the end and listens. Everybody does. What turns you on, Anthony, in construction? (sighs) Turns me on. I love seeing projects being finished. The end end result. What turns you off? These are hard questions. These are hard questions? They're hard questions. Little you, sinks. We've had, you know, immig- like little we've had sinks. immigrants in here answer these questions well, really easily. My, my little sinks, little, little vessel sinks. sinks? No, just like when the sink is not big enough in the kitchen. I just yeah, did that. I can't stand that. <laughs> and it's I just hate a little double, baby I hate sink. double sinks in yeah. kitchens. I don't, double sinks belong in the 50s, and we're not the 50s. You just yeah. need one nice, big, huge, big, trough. huge nice deep horse trough. Sink. Yes. Yeah. What's what turns you off in construction? Uh, contractors that don't finish the job, <laughs> especially backsplashes. And don't put him back. Especially <laughs> <backsplashes>. <laughs> It's it's what people that overcharge, never finish. Mike and uh, <laughs> people who charge me two thousand dollars for an Mike. engineer's report. Yeah, oh, Mike. The cancel lights on. Okay, keep yeah. going. Mike, what? Mike, <laughs> remember me? Uh, Please re- refund me all the money you took for me. <laughs> Oh, God. And didn't finish. This is this is a question series. Uh, question. Oh, it's not a therapy session. I love Mike. When I see him, I'm going to slap him. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? Fuck. Dick. That is not <laughs> true. What is your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? I like the vehicle I have. Rubicon. You, you have a Rubicon? Oh, yeah, like a truck? Jeep Rubicon. No. Like a Wrangler. Can you imagine her with the top down in the summertime? I never, I never liked those things. I'm sorry. I That's never, fine. I never liked them. What do you drive? I have a Sprinter van for work. Oh, okay. I love... I, I'm, I've always been a Ferrari guy. I'll never own one, but... Which one? Ooh. I like the new Tributos. I'm I, at the tail end of watching my advice, so I've always been in love with Testarossa. Mine, I love the Testarossa, but my ultimate favorite is the F40. It's rare. Mm-hmm. Expensive. You know how low to the ground they are? They're like three feet. That's it. Which brings up a good point. Why are all the speed bumps in the poorer neighborhoods and never in the wealthier neighborhoods? Mm. Sports cars? Is that what we're talking about? No. It's all the people that are living beyond their means driving these cars they can't afford over these, and they have to slow them down. That's the only thing I can think of. What is your (laughs) least favorite vehicle in the world? A Honda Civic. <laughs> Hatchback or sedan? It doesn't matter. I know. It's just uh, it's overplayed. Do they still make? Yeah, they still make them. Oh yeah, my god! Not, I feel like it's it, like the most common car. It's the most stolen vehicle. Is in, it really in Ontario? Yeah. I want to know where you get these stats. I educate myself. What's your least favorite vehicle? <laughs> Pontiac Fiero. Oh, that is. It. That's wow. an old one, eh? That's a casket. Waiting to blow up the pointy nose or the oh. rounded nose? Nose. Oh, uh, both of them. They're, they all, they're ugly. Both. I know. Eh? Not like the Sunfire. Oh. Those suck as well. Yeah. <laughs> what? You haven't seen a Fiero. <laughs> what construction sound? Actually, you've never driven one. 
to, dr- to a Fiero to drive these cars is a different experience than actually looking up and Googling it. Mm-hmm. We so we dr- need to get a Fiero? I don't if even you know where one. you can find one. Okay. I, I had a neighbor that owned one. It was hilarious. Red? Oh, of course it was. <laughs> you know how popular that car was? They were selling those cars like so many compared to what they're selling today. They were selling so many of those mm-hmm. cars back then, man. But what's uh, what construction sound or noise do you love? I'd say hammering nails. On a I like I like the the gun the pneumatic, air a pneumatic gun where it shoots the nails. Yeah, pneumatic now. Really? A, that's a pneumatic nailer. You can get it in battery. Well, now I sound like a hypocrite because you said pneumatic's your least favorite. I know. I just repeated that word because you because said it I moments said before, it. and I have no idea what it means. <laughs> air hose driven. <laughs> that's what pneumatic is. Uh, your uh, construction sound or noise do you love? I like hammer on nail. Hammer on nail. Construction sound or noise do you hate? The thing that drills the concrete. Like a, like a, yeah, an SDS drill. Obviously. The hammer, SDS a drill. hammer drill? So like, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. those. Okay, okay. Yeah. For me, I hate saws. Any saw? I just, oh, it's yeah. all that loud screech. That's when the new guy doesn't <laughs> know how to use it. Scratch. And the blade's dull. That's true. Going through wet wood. Ugh. What profession other than your own would you guys like to attempt? Race car driver. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. You know what, though? Race car driver from... Or NASCAR. 90s whatever. down. Yes. Because I am not a fan of paddle. I'm sorry. I'm a fan of gear shift. Yeah, you're, you, you don't have complete control of your car when gear you're shift just paddling. Senna. Last time, man. Then they started bringing in all the paddle and all the computers. I just went on a tangent. But do you know what we're talking about? No. Paddle shifting. Okay. Junior. I just want to call fast. Gear shifter. Okay. You know what? H. I know. Okay. F40 has a gear shift. That's right. Box. Yeah. Testarossa has a gear shift. Yeah, that's why. I know mm-hmm. why. Such a sexy looking car with that it nice is. fucking ass. Like you know a beautiful why? ass on that car. <coughs> it does. <sighs> it that. does. Look at the ass of a Testarossa. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It's just that. It's beefy. Fast. It's almost a Latina ass. You know what I mean? It's just like. Can't go wrong. I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> what was your answer? What are we even talking about? Profession other than your own, would you like to attempt? She wants to be a race car driver. I would love to. I don't know. I don't. What would I want to do? I actually, race car driving is good, but I would actually do motorcycles. Like a MotoGP? Mm-hmm. Racing? Latino Rossi. That's right. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Anything in healthcare. Sorry. Yeah, no, tough. Thank one. you. But, that's you know. It's tough. I would not want to be a teacher. I wouldn't have the patience for it. Yeah. I just wouldn't like teachers. I mean, like to be around teachers. But technically, you're a teacher. Oh, you, it's not yeah. even about teaching the kids. It's you don't want to be around other teachers. <laughs> yeah, because they wouldn't teach the same way I would. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be the trouble teacher. That's right. They would reprimanded teacher. Why are you teaching them common sense? <laughs> yeah, literally. You'd Don't probably you be the favorite dare. teacher in the school, though, like yeah, amongst 100%. the kids. Hundred percent. If heaven exists, what would you guys like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Get out! Oh my God! Get out! You're Michelle? that bitch. Like, just bitch? that's what I think. Like that bitch. Oh, you're here? No. What the f- <laughs> no, he'd be psyched. Michelle, Anthony, thank you very much again. Honestly, thank you for waking up everybody and teaching them a bunch of shit and getting them scared in their pants and 
I think they're going to be better for it. But uh, it's almost common sense, kind of. Mm-hmm. It is common sense, kind of. Like just, a, And then it's like you guys said, horse trough. You can teach all you want, but they have to do it. Everybody mm-hmm. has to do it. Everyone's got to put in the effort. Yeah. Nothing good comes out of anything other than hard work. Yeah. You got to do it. Put in the time and everything, all the fruits of your labor will come through. That's it. Anything else you want to share? That's it. We're done. Thank you. Michelle's address is oh my gosh. in Orangeville. I'm going to get, I got a lot of followers She's after looking this for call last deck. time or this episode. Are you going pressure treated? You're going to go nice exotic teak or what's going on? You're going composite. You can't walk on composite barefoot. You're going to burn yourself in the summertime. I don't know. Your cheapest would be PT. Pressure I treated. I don't know the answer to any of these questions. Okay. Then do your homework and then reach out to people that might know a thing or two about that before you get other people to give you quotes. All right. And even if you get three quotes, it might be your saving grace to get a fourth to take a look at the three quotes. Yeah. Someone that's not got skin in the game so they can tell you number three is full of shit, number one's full of shit, number two is what you should go for. Just saying. All right. Unless just you want to spend 2000 bucks on another beam. Just don't hire. Oh, oh. Okay. Hey. Cancel. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to cut that out. I'm going to kill him. No. <laughs> Welcome to the Cancel Construction Live show. <laughs> Nobody fucking cancels me. All right. I'm out of here. <laughs> Thank you.